is important about this. God's means of provision in our lives are not permanent. They're temporary. He's permanent. The provision means are temporary. But this is what goes on. For many of us, when God takes care of us one way, and when he stops, we get fearful. But what you need to realize is God can use whatever means he wants to to provide for you. Pastor Daniel today equates growing in faith to growing physically. When we're newborns, we need a lot of care and attention. But as we grow, we become more independent in daily activities. Just as parents care for their children, so too our Heavenly Father provides for our needs. His methods may change over time, giving us more independence in our choices, but His presence in our lives will never wane. God is always there. Now, Here's Pastor Daniel in Joshua chapter 5 with part 2 of his message, Final Preparations. This was not just some sort of coming in age ceremony. This was specific from God to Abraham to be different. It was, in a sense, it was a cutting away of the flesh, that which is unnecessary. Now, of course, for those of you who have a science degree, you're like, well, maybe it isn't unnecessary, and then people talk about all that stuff. But there's a lot of realities to the fact of why they're doing it. Some would also say, if you've ever studied the Bible, that a lot of these things are also function as also as health codes. So if you studied with us from uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you find a lot of the things that God did was just to keep the people alive. And there are some health benefits, or if you have not been circumcised, then you have to do uh, an extra set of cleaning in that area to make sure that you don't get infections. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it and don't Google it. But what you have going on right now is that they're about to go to war and God says, you would realize if you would have circumcision surgery done that you wouldn't exactly be feeling like going to do some fighting that day. And that's why I think that God's ways are so unique because in God's perfect economy, this is the best thing for the children of Israel to do at this time. And would any of you choose to do that? Like, okay, it's time for bat. It's the Super Bowl. Let's all get knee surgery and we'll go to the Super Bowl next week. It doesn't seem logical. And in a lot of ways, that is what God does, is that God is asking us to be faithful, living in ways that don't seem to make sense. But when you walk in God's ways, what you realize is that my way doesn't make sense because God is smarter than me, God is wiser than me, and God's ways that make no sense when I walk in them begin to make amazing sense. And the problem, as I said earlier, is that for too many of us, we're too smart for our own good. Now, you say that with my tongue firmly implanted in my cheek. Really, we're just disobedient. But what you find is if you read these verses, is that the reason this has to happen, we read about it in verse 4. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, they all died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Of course, all of them except for Joshua and Caleb. 
Notice, for all the people, verse 5, who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. And it says, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were the men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed. They all died because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So you see what goes on here. This generation who left Egypt, they were circumcised before they left. But then they were in the wilderness and they didn't obey God. And not only did they not obey God and they died in the wilderness, they also didn't obey God by giving the sign of the covenant to their kids. So what goes on now is they were disobedient in totality. And now all of a sudden, this whole generation is going to go take this land that was promised, was not circumcised. Now, before I leave this unsaid, the apostle Paul affirms for us that a Christian has been circumcised in Christ. What that means is the circumcision that God is looking for is not physical, it's spiritual, it's not of the foreskin, it's of the heart. And when you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus, God circumcises our heart. He cuts away in our hearts what is unnecessary so that we can truly be his. So discussions of physical circumcision, because I know someone's going to ask me a question. If we have a male son, should we have him circumcised or not? Yes, you should have them come to know Jesus, and then they'll be circumcised in their heart, not necessarily in their foreskin. And whether you choose to have them circumcised in their foreskin, physically or not, that's between you and Jesus. Does that make sense? But what God is really interested in is in a heart change. And this is a type and shadow of what God is really interested in. Does that make sense? But here's the question. What is God asking of you that seems totally illogical, that doesn't seem to make any sense and would be the last thing that you would do in order to accomplish what God has put in front of you that you're not doing because it's about as dumb as getting circumcised right before battle? What is it? Because what I do know from being a follower of Jesus for almost 20 years, from being a pastor for 16 or 17 years now, is that the biggest problem that we have is that we don't know how to obey God. God says, this is what I want you to do. And we say, uh, no. That's not strategic. You know, it's like an old story I've heard, and I've always loved this, and we love to practice this here at Crossroads, when someone feels called to be a pastor. I feel called to be a pastor. You know, the old story that they give the guy a plunger and said, well, yeah, the the toilet, the third one in is clogged. I'm like, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to preach. It's like, well, yeah, well, you have a clogged toilet. Why do you do that? Because the only way you can be a pastor is if you're a servant. And if unclogging a toilet is beneath you because of your calling, then you're not called to be a pastor. You know what I've learned? When somebody really wants to be a pastor and you give them, you can always tell how someone's going to do because the people who are really going to make great pastors, they take that plunger and they plunge for the glory of God. You know what I mean? Like, like they're like, yeah, I'm cleaning it out in Jesus' name, you know? But the people are like, no way. I mean, like, that's beneath me. It's like, how can a pastor not be a servant? It's a job description. But in a lot of ways, this is where many of us get tripped up. Because maybe you're not called to be a pastor, but you want to take the next steps in your faith. And God's saying, yeah, this is what I want you to do. And you're saying, I won't do it. And then you wonder why you're not taking the next steps in your faith. 
Because God wants us to be faithful to what he asks us to do because he's God on the step that we're on. And if we're faithful with the little things, God will give us greater things. And we don't do the faithful in the little things for the greater things. We do the faithful in the little things because God is faithful and he wants us to be faithful. And we learn how to be faithful in small steps that as we are faithful in small steps, we take bigger and bigger steps, but it's still the same muscle as that muscle of faithfulness. And I think what goes on for many of us is we don't want to be faithful. We're like, I'll be faithful when I get here. People say, our relationship is bad, but when we get married, it will get better. (laughs) Everyone knows that's bad advice, right? So you hear these things, you're like, no, no. If you can't be faithful on the step you're on, you can't take the next step because the next step's going to have another set of variables, but the same thing is needed to be faithful. And the children of Israel have not been faithful, but now we see Joshua being a model of faithfulness. I mean, Joshua was a warrior. He was one of the 12 spies that was set out to scope out the promised land 38 years earlier. And he came back and he said, it's a crazy, amazing land. There's big fruit, walled cities, but God is on our side. We can take it. So Joshua knew what was going on. And Joshua trusts the Lord enough to say, I'm going to do what nobody in my position would do. It makes no sense to debilitate all of my army and lay them up for a week in recovery right before battle. But it says that Joshua did it. He did it. Notice verse seven. Then Joshua circumcised the sons whom he raised up in their place. Then he is capital, which God raised up in the place of all this disobedient generation, for they were uncircumcised. And so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. And that's pretty logical, isn't it? It's like they're all jacked up. They're hurting right now. So they're healing up. And then notice, then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the word Gilgal literally means rolling. See, Do you see what God did? He said, look, I want you to do this because this is my way of rolling away the reproach of their forefathers that kept them in the wilderness and they died. Now, you might say, well, why would God choose to do it that way? And the answer is, is, I don't know. But could you imagine if they didn't do that? They would be walking in the same reproach that their fathers were walking in. So sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make any sense because God sees something that he wants to accomplish. And the only way he can do it is through a means that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But in God's economy, he knows exactly what he's doing. So what I want to encourage you is be like Joshua and be simply obedient. I'll be honest with you. I've been blessed because when I started walking with Jesus, I had great people speaking into my life would say things like, well, Daniel, just simply do what the Bible says and don't worry about it. And so I learned how to walk with Jesus to be like, well, it says this one should do that. It says I should do that. Like it was a kind of like a beautiful naivety, you know? And what's amazing is, is I've, as I've gotten older in the Lord, that's the best wisdom I've ever heard because it's so true. Now that I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years, my job is still exactly the same. My job is, this is what God wants. God wants you to love people. I'm going to love people. God wants you to trust him. Trust him. God wants you to obey his word. I'm going to obey his word. 
You know? And it's like, sure, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. So I got all the mental gymnastics. I mean, I've studied long enough that I can reason away all these things. But God wants us just to simply be obedient. You know, like, like I always tell people, like, with sharing my faith, I don't share my faith because I like doing it. I share my faith because my Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but all will come to repentance. So I do that. I started doing evangelism or sharing my faith as an act of obedience. I was in a meeting today with some local pastors convened by the Luis Palau Association, and they were talking about the gift of evangelism. And someone says, well, you know, speaking off, I'm like, well, you obviously have the gift of evangelism. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, I do evangelism out of obedience. And what I've learned is that when you obey the Lord, he empowers you on the step of obedience. And it doesn't matter if you feel that you have the gift of that thing. You step out in it and God enlivens that step of faith so that all of a sudden something that you don't think that you like doing or could be doing all of a sudden becomes very fruitful in God's kingdom. You know why God does that? Because if I was the kind of person, I got the gift of evangelism and when someone gets saved, I'm like, I did that. And the answer is, is nobody gets anybody saved except Jesus. But for many of us, we're not taking those steps of faith. It's like when Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when you don't feel like reading the Bible, and there's some of us who are kind of uniquely weird that you just love reading the Bible. A lot of times I read the Bible, not because I want to, but because I know I need to. Right? In the same way, it's like, I don't like flossing my teeth, but I know I need to. Well, at least my dentist tells me that every time I go see him, you know? And so, like, certain things you do because it's necessary. And then what you do, you're like, I'm so grateful I did that. Like, when I floss my teeth regularly and I go to the dentist, I don't have any cavities, I'm like, yes! And when I don't feel like reading the Word, but I open it because I'm not designed to live by only bread. And when I see bread, I think of Twinkies, obviously. But I need the Word of God as spiritual food to, be, to nourish me every single day. When I feast on God's Word every single day, you know what happens? My soul gets full. I get satiated. But that's an act of obedience, isn't it? When the Bible says to pray without ceasing, it's like prayer is hard, isn't it? People talk to me about prayer all the time, and I'm like, well, I don't understand prayer. I just keep doing it. And every time I pray, God moves. I read books on prayer. When I read a book on prayer, I'm like, I just keep praying, right? When it says that you should serve people, Does anybody really like to serve people unless they're paying you for it? It's not natural or normal, but it's supernatural. When the Spirit of God dwells in you, you're like, I want to help somebody. And when we take those steps of obedient faith, because God's Word says it, He enlivens us on that step. And that's why I think it's so amazing. Like, people, they're struggling with their finances. And and they come to a pastor, pastor, well, you should start giving. They're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, the reason you have a financial problem is because you don't give. That's why it happens. I mean, if you don't believe me, just read the Bible. That's what it says. So it's like God's way out of bad financial mistakes is through generosity. Where most people say, no, no, don't do that. But God says, well, why don't you test me at that? Let's see what we got. I'm encouraging you all to simply do what the Bible says. To simply take a step of faith. And see how God works. Because God did a work through all these people getting circumcised right before they went to war. Now, from there, of course, so you have the circumcision. Now, oh, everyone who's listening to this on the radio is like, what is he doing? It's like this, like, thumb over thumb. You can look at us on our archives. Okay, anyway, verse 10. 
Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate, verse 11, of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, for they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So the next set of preparations was first they needed to keep the Passover. Now again, if they would have done the Passover without being circumcised, they would have been unqualified to participate in that event. They have that, then they have the Passover, they partake of the Passover. And then it tells us, this is kind of powerful, that they ate the produce of the land the day after the Passover. And then it tells us, that the manna ceased the day after the Passover had eaten, and they ate the produce after that all the rest of the time. So you remember, the manna was that special bread that God was giving them every single day. They were allowed to only collect one day's worth, and on the Sabbath day, they were allowed to collect twice as much the day before the Sabbath, so they didn't work on the Sabbath day. But they couldn't hoard it, they couldn't save it, because they wanted to see that God is their provider. And what's amazing is, is they get circumcised, they partake of the Passover, and then the next day, God's provision in that way stopped. Because why? Now they're in the land flowing with milk and honey, and that land is God's new way to provide for them. Now, this is what is important about this. God's means of provision in our lives are not permanent. They're temporary. He's permanent. The provision means are temporary. But this is what goes on. For many of us, when God takes care of us one way, and when he stops, we get fearful. But what you need to realize is God can use whatever means he wants to, to provide for you. And for many of us, we struggle because as we grow, I mean, even think of a young child. When a child is born, in the beginning, they nurse with their mother. And then at some point, they begin to eat mushy food and then solid food. Right? And it's like, you could imagine that, you know, the process of weaning a child is very challenging because it's the only sustenance way they know. But God has something. See, like a mother's milk is the perfect food for a season for a child. And then you have to move on to the next form of sustenance. And then the next form of sustenance. And the same is true for you spiritually. See, the manna was not God's permanent provision. It was his temporary provision given the parameters of where they were. And right as they walked into the promised land, they had circumcision, they have the Passover, and then it stops. And now they're eating from the land. And I think this is important because for many of us, as we are growing and maturing in Christ, the single biggest thing that challenges us is the way that God's means of provision changes whether it's through friendships or mentors, whether it's the way God speaks to us. I talk to people about this a lot. I just feel like I should share this right now for all of you because I look at it with my kids. So my youngest, Annabelle, is three. Now she's mobile now and she can do everything herself and we don't always let her, but she wants us to, you know. But when a baby is small, a parent is super hands-on. But as they get older, they 
crave and desire more independence and a good loving parent gives them more independence because part of the maturing is giving them more space. My daughter Maranatha, who's nine, is much more independent. And then my son Obadiah, who's 12, is even much more independent. And so in the same way, a parent's job with a little child changes by the time they become a toddler, when by the time they get into elementary school, by the time they get into middle school, high school, and by the time they're of adult age, now all of a sudden, the way that you nurture them changes. But you know what the problem is for most of us as parents? We hate all the transitions. So we try and treat the toddler like the infant. We try and teach the teenager like the toddler. And then there's all this friction. And in the same way, spiritually, when you're a baby Christian... It almost feels like God has you wrapped up in his arms every single moment of every single day. But you realize that if you're growing in Christ, it actually hinders your spiritual growth if God is all over you like that. And for many people, when that God being so hands-on, where you feel like I am like in the bosom of the Father all day long, right? When that stops, people freak out. No, no, no. That's God's way of growing you up. Because you know what happens As you grow in the Lord, you know what he wants. You don't need God to pat you on the head and give you a cookie and tell you you're wonderful. You just walk in it. And as you get older and as you get older and as you get older, the way that God cares for you keeps changing. And the key for us is to learn how to embrace God knows exactly what he's doing in me. And God's ways of dealing with me, his ways of providing for me, each step of the way is righteous and right and it will accomplish what he wants it to assuming that i walk in obedience so if you're one of those people right now you felt god's presence more profoundly at a former day maybe god is still right there but he's not as hands-on but he's still holding you in the same way like let me give you an example my little daughter annabelle when she's on the jungle gym i'm always right there because annabelle's nuts Right, And Annabelle is always like one crazy move away from breaking her neck. you know. And I love her. I'm not going to let her break her neck, but I'm right there. If she slips, I'm going to grab her. But the thing is, is when she was littler, I was even more hands-on. And now I'm close, but I'm not all over her. And now, when, you know, if you know my daughter Maranatha, Maranatha's on the jungle gym. She's doing flips and handstands and backhand springs. And I just sit there like... But if she hurts something, I'm going to be right there. But, and in the same way, but I'm still her dad, and I'm still watching over her with a very specific eye. When my son Obadiah is out and about, I may be at a huge distance away. But I'm his dad. I know exactly what's going on. And in the same way, our Heavenly Father works with each one of us. Sometimes he is so hands-on, especially when you're a babe, and especially when you're wounded. So hands-on like all over you but then there are other times when he'll be like you know they need more space but he's still watching he's still protecting he's still caring Jesus is real during Israel's time of wandering in the wilderness God provided nourishment his daily gift of manna was meant to be a reminder of their dependence on him As Israel prepared to enter the promised land, though, God's provision changed. What they had known ceased. Pastor Daniel told us today that though God's methods shifted, his care for them never did. It never will in our lives either. God will always be there for us. 
Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Israel finally faces their first battle in the land of Canaan. This nation, with its lack of military training and low provisions, was about to take on an entire city. Pastor Daniel will share the seeming insanity of the plan but also why God chose to take on Jericho in this manner. God's strategy may seem impossible to us, but all the more glory will be given him when it succeeds. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Conquest. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.